Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor and I am joined here by my fantastic co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hi, Tara Lee. Hello. Um, I would like to help us ground right now um, to bring us into the present moment so this podcast can be the most powerful experience for you. So if it is available to you to place your hand on your heart and close your eyes, we'll take three deep breaths together. So take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth and inhale through your nose Exhale out your mouth and inhale and exhale. And may our time together be full of magic and new insights and inspiration. And so it is. And so it is. Yay. Well, today we have Walter Strauss, who is joining us, and Walter is a guitarist from California. He's also a composer and songwriter. He has created music all over the world and really sounds like he really enjoys kind of experiencing all of these um, international musical experiences and uh, he talked in the in this podcast episode about creating music with kind of inspired by this traditional West African instrument called the kora, and he takes music from the kora and translates it through his guitar, and so that just really showed how like the depth of Walter's music making and really how he likes to kind of push the boundaries of that. I can't even remember the phrase that he kept using, but uh, it he's, he is a person who likes to really keep growing, it seems like, in his musicality and just the way that he shows up in the world. And he definitely shows that through this podcast episode. So it's very inspiring, like so many episodes that we have. And um, Walter also has a new CD coming out. So this is his first solo CD in like 10 years, I think is what he said. Whoa. It is called For Melody, Wherever She May Find Me. And uh, he's doing something pretty cool that he told us actually after the interview where, you know, people aren't, not many people are buying CDs or records anymore. He definitely will have some vinyl um, for this album, but also what he's doing is he's creating this booklet, kind of like what you would get through a CD, um, but it's going to come with a download code so that people can have some artwork and I'm sure some, you know, some other really cool things with this booklet. So you have something to have and to hold as well as a download code so that you can listen to your music wherever you go. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of the best of both both worlds because there was nothing more than like when I got a new CD, like the first thing I would do is go and like read everything. I, I love to see who they thanked and like mm-hmm. the artwork that they chose. And if they put lyrics on it, it was one of my favorite things. And that is something that I was like sad when you just get a download code, but to have the booklet, it's kind of the best of both, both worlds. And so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to have that in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's cool to watch watch musicians getting creative as to how they are just bringing value to their listeners um, and just helping to stay in that creative flow as the times are changing. Yeah. And on the, during this podcast episode, you're going to be taken on a ride. And he talked about how, when you go to a show, you're like, being taken on a ride and what that's like. And if you are like an active participant, like everybody is part of the journey that you're going on. And so that's about to happen for you during this podcast when we're back with Walter. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get to the episode with, or the interview with Walter. So without further ado, here we go. Here's Walter and we'll be right back. 
And we're back and we have Walter here with us. Welcome, Walter. Oh, lovely to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us here today. We um, were really excited to have you on the Groove Therapy Podcast and really excited to kind of dive into all of your experiences playing music with all kinds of people all around the world. Sounds great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so why don't you start by um, kind of some of the things that we were talking about before before we started recording this interview about just what you've noticed with the different contexts of playing music and the way that it's received by people. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess what we were talking about was um, I, I play in a fair number, a, fair, a pretty varied sort of uh, group of settings from, I do a lot of collaborations with, uh, a lot of collaboration with people from other places, especially West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the West African music there's a lot of dancing. It's very much a community of dancers, you know, celebratory kind of events. Not not that there's no downtime in it, but it is a lot of that. Um, and then other situations that are much more intimate, and some of which are very are very uh, grounded in song and in lyric as well as uh, the music, um, and sometimes even solo instrumental guitar. So they're very different contexts, and I think that the experience that people have, uh, I think they reflect, they have different timbres, different emotional timbres to them. And they, um, so it's, it's cool to sort of think about how to reflect on how each of those sorts of contexts is experienced by people. Yeah, because it feels like it's like a whole range of experience from like a full body moving and grooving experience to like maybe a little bit quieter and experiencing it in a, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And not just quiet, but just a more intimate sometimes, you yeah. know, even if something is a crazy ambitious piece of music, um, when you're doing it by yourself with, a, with an audience, it's a very different thing than, um, than a more, you know, whatever, something that's totally visceral and people are dancing and whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a question about the the dancing. Maybe we can start there and you can kind sure, of move yeah. on. Since this podcast. I love talking about dancing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you might be able to tell where Tara Lee and I kind of lean towards, <laughs> although we do appreciate all, music in all forms. But since this is the Groove Therapy podcast, like how would you describe groove to people? Because I think it's kind of like a concept that... I don't know, might be a little difficult to put into words, but I've often wanted somebody to, a musician that's very familiar with that to, uh, to try that. to do yeah, that. This is such a good question. And we've never asked, we've done 41 episodes, I think. This is our 41st episode and we've never asked that question before. Yeah. Well, to me, um, you know, life is full of groove. Our heartbeat is a groove. It's some kind of, uh, some kind of consistent, um, you know, obviously rhythmic pattern that we relate to that affects us in our, our visceral, our visceral experience. Um, to me in music, a groove is something like when something's really got a groove, it sits in a particular place, you know, and it can be grooves can be all kinds of things from, uh, something where something's real relaxed and the rhythm is kind of sitting back it's relaxed in the beat. It's behind the beat. So everybody feels kind of, uh, you feel that you're drawn forward by the groove, mm-hmm. but it's in a way that you're kind of in a pocket and you're, you're sitting back mm-hmm. to when something's really excited, you know, and pushing on the front edge of the groove. It's, uh, it's a consistent rhythm, but it's being, uh, it's pulling you forward in a, in a faster way and it has you more anticipatory kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, groove is really, uh, um rhythm uh rhythm over time that we can really relate with and settle into um and it's real important that there's some sort of thread some kind of consistency to it for us to really feel it Mm um you know and to me for the musicians to feel it to really be feeling it is then is when the the audience will really feel it Mm -hmm. yeah Uh. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like sometimes when the music first starts, it's like I feel awkward and maybe the like musicians are just like figuring out that spot of where to be. And like when that moment clicks and you fall into that groove, it just like it feels so good. And like I know 
I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think everybody out there knows exactly when that it all clicks together and you're just like in it and you're in it with the band and like the audience is in it and we're all in it. <laughs> yeah, it's communion, you know, it's, and it's communion for us when we're playing together. Uh, you can feel if something's not, if somebody's not hearing the other person or something and the groove is, it's not totally, we're not settled in together. For those moments, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, we're trying to reach and find, okay, what do we need to do to get here together again? And then once we're together, then things are moving in a, in a uh, communal way and the audience is feeling it as well, you know? So what do you do if you notice that it's not together? How do you bring it together? <laughs> It's a good question. Um, it's going to depend on the on the context, but the rhythm section, the drummer, the guitar, the bass guitarist, especially drummer and bass guitarist, um, being able, you have to be able to hear them. Even like for me, there's a band that I play with, which is a trio called Mama Jawali. It's myself and Mamadou Sidibe from Mali, who plays a hunter's harp, and Joe Craven, who's a beautiful violinist, percussionist, mandolinist. We have to have Joe has a kickboard that he plays with his foot. It just gives us like a like a like a kick drum sort of sound. If that's not up loud enough in the monitor mix, there can be a problem when we really stuff to start cook, cooking. So, you know, we might not. <laughs> if I really had to, I would look to the to the monitor sound fellow or whoever it is, and you know, give my give him a thumbs up to bring up uh, that kick. We need something that we can rely on. That, uh, you know, and a way to hear each other. So I think the biggest thing that we'd do if the groove isn't happy, we'd look at each other and, and listen. And which to me, listening, uh, that's the best, like the most, one of the most beautiful parts of music and one of the most beautiful parts of, of sharing music too, because, um, you know, there's not a lot of context in life where, where people really are given the space or make the space to listen, you mm. know? And it's true for us among among us as as musicians on stage that that's the key is is listening. It's not playing a, you know playing out farther. It's listening and coming from there. And it seems like the same thing for the for uh, the audience. It's an opportunity for people to actually uh, receive in an unfiltered, uh, unmanaged way. You know, which is super special. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah so let's go back to what you were talking about before with the um kind of different different environments and contexts of of live music delivery and what you've noticed in those yeah um well i think that as an overall thing it's uh music allows um allows us uh, experience of truth you know so whether it's something like we're talking about where we're dancing and it's it's unadulterated, un, unencumbered, just tuning in and experiencing what is real in that moment. To, um, you know, there, you can be at a concert or be playing a concert and play something that um, uh, people, makes people sad, you know? And that's a, like for me, it's not, I don't just know that I've played a, a successful concert if everybody was ecstatically dancing and smiling. But if I see a tear in somebody's eye, I also know I just played, I just did something that was, that was special. We just did something together that was special. Um, so um, I think that music just allows for people to experience something uh that's that's inner for them that's in their inner life that's true you know um and i think it's affected by uh both music and lyrics and within them very specific things you know like uh like music i mean to me music is just magic it happens everywhere it's you know i wake up in the morning to a mockingbird here who is crazy <laughs> incredible music really um i got to imagine that there is music on other planets because i mean i'm sure there is in the nature but because it's such a essential um thing in life that's mm -hmm. nonverbal, um but it's so impactful um and you know i can talk about some of what i think is happening in music that touches us um yeah you know, three of the big influences, three of the big 
parts of music to me are melody, rhythm, right? Uh, melody, rhythm, and harmony. And um, melody is just an incredible thing to me. It's just, and it's an amazing thing that we eat that everybody has. Like you don't have to play an instrument to be able to practice having melody in your life because it's uh, we can sing. You know, it's a super essential and uh, inescapable part of life. Yeah. Um, how would you describe melody? Because a lot of our listeners aren't musicians. You know, they're sure, yeah. they're people who love to experience music, but they might not you know, really know how to put these concepts into words. So, yeah, I mean, you know, in a very technical way, music it, melody is, is just the stringing together of different notes in a rhythm. Um, but what to me, what makes melody tick is the way they work together, the way the notes work together and the way that they, um, and the way the rhythm and the notes work together so that they create a, uh, um, I don't know, a cadence, a story, like a, a an emotional experience. Um, you know, la, 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 that's different than la, 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 you know. <laughs> or if it's in a minor key, the, the melody is you know, la, 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 you know, everything, the, the, um, the way that the notes are strung together and, and brought together uh, creates a, an experience for us. And that's how melody is for me. Um, and how is melody different than harmony? So harmony is, is different notes together. So harmony will, um, if I were, it'd be easier to do this if I had an instrument for you. <laughs> um, but if you put more than one note together, now there's an, there's a, a, something happening at once. And mm -hmm. those, those relationships between them mm -hmm. uh, are harmony. And there can be anything from, you know, one note to, if you weren't in our tempered scale, there could be infinite notes together. But within our scale, um, you know, you'll have, uh, within a, a Western scale, you'll, you know, often have three or four notes together that create uh, a chord. So if you hear a guitar chord, you're hearing a bunch of notes together or a piano chord. Um, and that harmony moves along as the, as the, as the song is progressing. Um, uh, and very varied. It's interesting for me because I play, uh, you know, both music that has some jazz harmony that's very more sophisticated. Uh, uh, the harmony changes a lot and has different colors in it that you wouldn't have in other types of music. And then I play with you know, like Mamadou Sidibe from uh, Southern Mali and that's pentatonic music. It only has five notes mm. um, and it doesn't tend to change chords very much. It really kind of centers around one chord. So it's a very, very different experience. Um, um, but to me, Mel, I guess I was bringing up melody just to think that it's such a, um, it is a, an essential human experience that, you know, we have and that we hear like a bird is always singing melodies, mm -hmm. songbirds, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, this, you might be I have to hear some of them in the background here. I'll bet you do. It. <laughs> Nick and I'll go, wow. I know there's so many birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think melody is a really, a really special one. It's really, uh, uh, you know, we have so many songs that we've loved that we walk around singing that have touched us. Mm -hmm. And that's the impact of melody, you know, and it can be, it can affect us from uh, something completely joyful to being something super uh, sad and somber, you know. Um, it's kind of a little snapshot of life. Um, I, this record, I, we were talking, I have a new, a new record coming out, which is a guitar record, um, which is unusual for me. It's just a solo guitar record, but it's all melodies. It's all songs that I chose for their melodies um, mm -hmm. and some that are my own as well, but everything from a, a balaphone song from Mali to a, a Scottish fiddle tune to a Stevie Wonder song, you know, but the, the, the ticket is the reason I, uh, chose them each just because they're beautiful melodies they touch you you know mm -hmm. and i just wanted to highlight that that experience of beautiful melody and then um um obviously rhythm you know like you're both saying how you're dancers it's the rhythm is you know like i said before our hearts beating we take steps all the time in life we're breathing you know it's all so much is rhythm um 
And uh, that's kind of, to me, it feels kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the thread of life is rhythm. The, the, the times, uh, our lives over time, our, our culture is made up of a rhythm of people living and dying. <laughs> Everything is rhythm, you know? Um, and, yeah, uh, like I you said, our heartbeats. You know, that's like our own yeah. rhythm and our own bodies that we get to experience all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the rhythm, uh, um, it's very interesting. I've, I've been uh, fortunate to play with some really amazingly talented rhythmic people, particularly working with West Africans. Um, you know, we have all this sophistication in our harmony in the West and not that there's no sophistication in their harmony, but it's very different. It's not doesn't have that like wild breath Range. of harmony, but their rhythm. Oh my gosh, incredible! Really, really amazing. Um, yeah, it's interesting how that is, and I mean, I feel like you know, people in other countries, and especially West Africa, like it's so somatic. They're so much more embodied than we are. You know, really in their body. Um, and so it makes sense. And we are more of a culture that's more in our heads, you know, yeah. where that melody kind of comes from and, and takes us. And so it makes sense that, that that's true. Yeah. 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 That's when I was in college, I was in the African drum and dance ensemble. Mm -hmm. And so I played and I would dance. But um, what I found interesting, it's like the rhythm you were talking about. It was like, I think it was called the cuckoo, the one where oh, when yeah. a girl um, gets her period, they like all the women like take take the girls and go into the woods and like teach them women things, and then when they come back, they play the cuckoo. I, is that that's correct, right? Or do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the the experience of of women with it there, but I know cuckoo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's like what that one is, and that one is such a high energy, like wee fun play. And then there's one like so they do a similar thing for um, when boys are to become men and they come back and that one's like a huh, huh, uh, <laughs> and the feelings of the two i mean you're playing all the same instruments it's the same people playing it but the feeling that you get are so different from those two two rhythms mm -hmm, mm -hmm. understand yeah yeah and i think rhythm rhythm brings people together you know it's uh, it's something we all relate to so viscerally that uh you know, like a dance floor. It's just, it's, it's a communal thing. It's, um, and then, um, harmony is a very interesting one to me, man. It's, it, it takes, to me, it takes melody and, uh, it gives it a context. It gives it a world to live in, you know? So like if I, if I'm, playing a concert or I'm at a concert and somebody plays something that's very poignant, usually that poignance has something to do with the harmony. Um, Can you describe uh, like an experience just to kind of paint a picture? Yeah. Uh, well, here's, here's a, a song that I, that I recorded on this record. It's a, it's a very, um, something I've known since I was a kid. It's a great song by John Hartford called Presbyterian Guitar. It sounds like kind of a, old religious song it's not it's something he wrote but the melody is this super super sweet melody but when i don't know if i can how i can describe this for you um without it just being totally heady uh i if i can grab my guitar if you want me to, to sure. play it for you here let me grab it i'll just play you a little snippet so so if I play the melody, if I play a certain part of the song. There's melody. Now listen to it with the harmony. See, so you hear that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it just it brings it gives it it gives it dimension it gives it emotional dimension yeah you know? yeah I, mean, I like felt emotional immediately <laughs> like right <laughs> when you did that I was like oh <laughs> yeah me too and goosebumps just like full body yeah um uh 
like what's the word I'm looking for? Resonance comes up, but just like uh, my body is responding, response, mm-hmm. full body response. Well, that's the thing with music, isn't it? It's just uh, it's body. It's mm-hmm. our bodies and our and our and our. I don't know if you want to call them, you know, emotional bodies, but our bodies that our our experience, our inner experience, is totally touched by music. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and then lyrics it's an interesting thing to me too it all is well, it all is one thing really ultimately but each one has its own impact on us um so um i don't know if i use this word correctly but uh prosody i think of as uh when a lyric is uh truly expressing what the music is saying and the music is truly expressing what the lyric is saying. So they're like Mm. joined in alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, great, great songs do that. They just do that. It's like, it came directly from the person's soul who created it or who's creating it, who's singing it in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be everything from, uh, you know, the songs have, Songs with lyrics just have such a power to inspire us both. Uh, I mean, a great love song, you know, can inspire feelings of passion and love or can ex- inspire loneliness because you, you miss it, but it gives you truth again, you know, mm. same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you were saying something about uh, just about live music, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it made me think of um, one of the things that I think is most powerful in live music uh is the spontaneity you know is the the um, improvisation and not only the improvisation that's going on stage but the improvisation that's going on in the audience you know it's i think that when people experience my my experience there's total beauty to seeing a deep classical concert classical music concert where somebody is playing very specifically what's written on a page but bringing all of their spirit into it and that's mm-hmm. a certain spontaneous truth that's being expressed in each moment you know very but but the experience of improvisational you know music it's really got a lot of improvisation going on in it um i think it's a really inspiring experience both for the performer and for the audience um it's kind of one of these places where it's mutually, uh, um, it's, it's one big circular experience. Like if I'm playing with somebody and we take it off somewhere completely new, um, and we're taking a little risk, which is super fun. And sometimes it's total magic. Um, mm-hmm. my experience is that often those are the favorite moments of an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to, to, it's inspiring when people are riding that edge, which is in life what we're hoping to do with our lives is be very present and be uh, responding in time creatively and making, you know, positivity happen um, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you know, whatever we're looking to make happen in life. Um, So that's a super, that's a super special part of music to me. And I think the dance floor really reflects it. You know, it's like when things pick up on a dance floor it's obvious that the moment is happening between the musicians as well and so it's a reciprocal thing that's happening for me being on stage when people are really getting off on it i'm totally fed obviously you know it's just one it becomes one uh organism the whole the whole place you know Um, yeah yeah i love all of that and i uh i totally agree and i feel like you know, when, when I go to see live music, I'm there to be taken on a ride and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. we all show up and we're like, okay, I'm here. And, (laughs) you know, it, it could be a new band that, you know, I haven't heard before. And then that's incredible. But so often it's a band that, you know, I do have a relationship with. So there's that level of trust that's already been created. And it's Mm -hmm. like, all right, I know that, you know, whatever you're going to bring it's going to be a ride and, you know, sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's amazing. Um, But when the, when the musicians can show up in that open and vulnerable, and we talked about this with Reed Mathis. Um, He was talking about improv. I can't remember. 
I think he was saying, he said three words, like open, vulnerable, and brave or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, were his kind of ways of thinking, like, how am I going to show up to allow the opportunity for this experience to happen? And um, yeah, it's just so cool to to be ready and open to receive. And I love how you were saying that, you know, that can be the, um, like how we live life. And, and I think that, you know, I, I always see live music as an opportunity to experience things that we can then experience in other aspects, other areas of our life, because we have to have at least the belief that it's possible and when we have actually the experience that it's possible, then it it's more likely to translate into other areas of our life. I mean, we also yeah. have to open up to the fact that we could possibly experience it in other places besides just live music. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if a person never has that experience of being able to flow with what's happening in the moment and that everything's going to turn out okay and not even okay, but like maybe it's even better than you ever imagine that it could be then Mm -hmm. they know that that's possible when they go out into life and maybe things don't go as planned but they're open to the flow and then they find out on the other side that something even more amazing than they ever expected was possible that's a major gift to us too who are on stage that you're coming like ready for the experience because that's what we want that's what we want to offer you know it's interesting too because to me it's very you really have to hold space as a as a performer mm-hmm. um like uh you want to create a space where people feel um comfortable and open um and uh uh like i even if i'm playing solo or whatever whenever i'm playing it's something that i'm very aware of that i try to set that stage set that I try to give my attention to that early in a show to make sure that i'm i'm really making people comfortable you know just to set the stage um and yeah, how uh, do you do that um connecting you know being human connecting telling a story uh reflecting something about the day uh um being humorous, you know, one time I, I have a very good memory. And one time there was a gathering before a show, it was like a potluck and there were, it was a, uh, were like 35 people there. And I memorized almost everybody's name. And after the first, after the first song, I said, thank you, Bill. And thank you, Jane. I kept on going, <laughs> like, you know, so doing something that connects, you mm-hmm. know, just, and, and that's mostly really about, uh, me setting the tone inside myself, which sets the tone, in the in the room because um, it's such a reciprocal it's such a reciprocal uh, world um, the other thing that to me is really key in setting that tone is um, or in not just setting a tone but in in the whole musical experience is generosity um, and that's uh, generosity with the audience and also generosity with your collaborators how would you describe generosity in that sense? Well, between musicians, um, you know, uh, you don't need to be out front. You can, you create the, like I'll play, somebody else is going to, you know, we'll, we do a lot of improvising where you know, different people are soloing, stepping back just giving them mm-hmm. a, giving all of my attention to giving them the best foundation I can possibly give them to, to buoy them up, you know, um, not taking up too much space, uh, mm-hmm. um, and offering it hundred percent when you're offering it, when you're going to go out front, you're going to give it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and the more you give out to an audience, the more generous you are with an audience, um, and that is really about freeing yourself. It's like if you free yourself completely, you're giving it out to the audience completely, and the more comes back, you know, mm-hmm. and the whole thing gets elevated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a sort of fabric. Uh, it's kind of a, a context where whatever you do is going to engender that in the whole scene. You mm-hmm. know? 
And what are some ways that an audience can show up as generous? Hmm. Uh, it's very interesting. I, it, I want it's popped in my head, which is from like small venues, which is like a house concert or something like that. Sitting up front, coming up, coming up. Like sometimes people will be shy. They'll like come in in a little, little scene because it's too intimate or something. They won't come sit up in the front. Like, come all the way up front. You want to <laughs> share this, you know? <laughs> uh, but in the larger sense, um, I think to really just, just to engage you know, to really be engaged, that's what matters, you know, mm -hmm. um, is that we know we're being, we're being received. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they're, um, you know, I'm a human, um, whatever. I can, I have experiences playing a show where I may not, you know, I might've played something and I thought I screwed it up or something. And then I'll get somebody writing me from, you know, that town a, a, a few days later. And they're like, this song, like, changed my life. <laughs> they're like, really? I thought <laughs> I completely screwed that up, you know? Mm -hmm. Which is, like, means that it's the same thing with holding the space. It's like, you got to be, I have to be, even if uh, I have an off moment or something, be ready to continue holding that space and knowing that for somebody that might be a really great experience you know whether i thought it was or not yeah uh, so it's like really practicing non-judgment <laughs> not yeah, not, right. not allowing yourself to judge those experiences as good or bad but opening up to the possibility that even though it didn't feel quite right to you that it could have been just perfect to somebody else yeah 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 and even those like i find when a musician does make a mistake on stage like and how they then flow with that mistake is like mm -hmm. one of the most like inspirational things that I can experience at a show. So mm -hmm. a lot of times like a perfect show might not affect me as much as an imperfect one that has like some mistakes there. Mm -hmm. I hear you. That's generosity in the audience. That, that for sure is something <laughs> that good to, good to share that with musicians. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we like it when you mess up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Walter, I'm curious if you can share an, a memory or an experience that you've had where you've really, like, that illustrates this reciprocity of, you know, musician to audience and back again and how everybody's showing up is generous and it, you can just feel how it really elevated the experience. Is there a specific, a specific moment? Yeah. Is there anything that comes uh, to mind? Let me think. Um, From anywhere in the world, since you've played in all different places. Yeah. Um, Well, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's not what I would have thought of because uh, I was looking for something where I was playing in a band. But I was in West Africa. Um, I got the. I was fortunate to spend a couple of months with Tumani Diwate, who's a the Kora. I don't know how many of your listeners know the Kora, but it's a West African uh, twenty-one stringed West African harp. It's really the the king of West African instruments. Super, super beautiful. And Tumani mm -hmm. is known as the greatest living Kora player. I was lucky enough to spend some time with him because I was, I was taking that music and playing it on the, uh, on the guitar, which hadn't really, as far as I knew, had been done before. There is one other uh, beautiful guitarist from South Africa who's doing that now. But um, uh, I was at, um, do you know who Ali Farkature was? Anyway, great West African guitarist, beloved, who was uh, dead, and this was an uh, this, there was a, a celebration of his death, of the anniversary of his death, celebration of his life, and Tumani asked me to play at it, and you know everybody else that was playing was West African, um, and you know I don't know how many people were there, twelve hundred people or something, and they were pretty much all West Africans, and I got on stage and uh, you know it. Surround. We played after one West African band before another, and I started playing a chorus song, um, and it's a melody that was. That's uh, um, a traditional bambara melody that they that they know, and everybody's so like all these heads in the audience is, that kind of tilt, you know, like 
what's the Gringo playing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> playing one of our great melodies. And it was a, it was me taking a bit of a risk to do that. You know, here's this white guy playing one of their melodies and is exploring off of it. Uh, and uh, but they responded. You know, then the whole audience started clapping to the groove with me. And for me, as a as as a Westerner coming in and playing that music, I felt so embraced. I felt like thank you, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and um, and I think at the same time as that, I was I was honoring their music, and they felt touched that I was honoring their music, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the thought that came to you when you said that. Yeah, a super special moment for me. Yeah. yeah. I had to play it at his, you know, a, a celebration of him. He was a hero, very big hero. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, super special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of experiences like that. I think that's that's why, that's why we do it, you know, because it's a special circular the reciprocal thing, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the reason for pursuing it. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your new album that you have coming out on April 20th and what is it called? Uh, for Melody, Wherever She May Find Me. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a song. That makes you feel things too. <laughs> What'd you say? That title makes me feel things too. Ah, Nice. It's actually a, without even have heard the album yet. I'm like I am having an emotional experience. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, yeah. So it's a record. It's a it's a solo guitar record. Um, it's pretty ambitious guitar playing. It's kind of taking. I haven't put out a solo record for ten years, and a lot's happened in that ten years with me and the guitar. I've explored a. I I I play a lot, and I I explore a lot. Like I'm talking about taking you know, music from different cultures and different instruments and playing them on guitar and et cetera. I've developed kind of an unusual way of playing the guitar. Um, so it's something that really brings that to the fore. Um, but it's a collection of beautiful melodies and I take the melody and it's not that I'm just playing the melody. I'll play, I'll have the melody, I'll explore off of it, uh, you know, improvise off of it go into different realms, come back to it again, change the harmony behind it. This creates sort of a journey um, with each of these melodies. Uh, and um, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. It's, um, and it's, it's, what do I, what do I say? Uh, yeah, it's where I really put my effort in the, in recent years. And um so I feel like I'm. It's, it's something when I'm doing it, I'm very, very present. It takes being very, very present to do it and play by myself doing that. Um, and also, you know, an interesting thing is imp- improvising by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're improvising with a group, you've mm-hmm. got some foundation behind you. It, it's there's space for you to not play for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, be playing off of what's being played. When you when you add improvisation to something that you're doing by yourself, it's a very um, Again, it's uh, it take it's take you're riding the edge, you know, and there's some of that in what I'm doing there. Um, and they're very varied songs from, like I said, you know, there's a Stevie Wonder song on there, there's a Paul Simon song, there's some originals, one is real Spanish, um, there's music from Mali, from Scotland, um, so it's real varied. Yeah. And then I'm doing a show at the Freight and Salvage in Berkeley. Um, and I'm actually getting some of that, uh, most of that show, I'll be really highlighting this music, but I'll also have some of my compadres because uh, I'm a pretty communal musician, um, a lot of collaborations. So Mamadou will be there, and Joe Craven will be there, and Stevie Coyle, who's a lovely guitar player, and Bo Carper, who you guys probably know. Um, yeah, I know Bo. Uh, lovely guitarist. So each of them will be coming up and we'll be doing some stuff together as well. So nice. super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's on April 20th as well. Same day that the the album is released. Exactamente. Oh, that's a big day for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, anything else that you would like to leave with our listeners or anything else you think mm. of that you'd like to say before we say goodbye? <laughs> Um, well, just, uh, I look forward to being back together, you know, like it's been, it's been a road, 
this whole COVID thing. And I actually, another little thing that happened for me and more recently is I, I tore a ligament in my hand. I'm mm. probably 90% back now, maybe 95. I'm coming back. But between that and COVID, it's been quite a while. I, I played, uh, um, recently I did do my first show since my injury, but uh, I am so uh, grateful for, uh, you know, being in context where we get to have a blast together and, and share, um, you know, deep, deep experiences of, of our lives, even if we don't, don't ever meet. So I look forward to more of that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Walter. It's been great yeah, chatting with me. music about you and really excited about your upcoming album and your show at Freight and Salvage in Berkeley. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And come check a lot of this stuff. You know, I'm not the greatest self promoter, but I'll just say it. You know, just my website is walterstrauss.com. Yeah. Just, uh, there's lots of stuff on there. And um, yeah, it's great to meet you both. Total pleasure. Thanks for doing it where I can see you. It's a pleasure to see you both. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate yes, you, thank you joining us today. All right. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Hi, everyone. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I love. I wish that you could give us some instant feedback. Be cool if we were on like a radio show and you could call in with your responses to Walter's interview. That would be super cool. I know. (laughs) We'll have to do a live version one of these days so we can make those dreams come true for you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just notice what stood out to you the most from that interview. And Tara Lee, I'd love to hear your response since I do have you right here with me and I can ask you that question. Yeah. I really liked when he was talking about melody and exactly what melody is. And then when he picked up his guitar and played it and you're just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, because I had an instant emotional response to that. Mm -hmm. And, and now I know why. And so that like, you know, these things happen, but to hear it explained in, in words um, was really helpful. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. I really, I felt like this whole interview, I learned so much about music that I didn't really know because I am like not a musician myself. I'm just a participant mm-hmm. of it. Um, even mm-hmm. though like, as we learned, we're just as important to the experience as the people that are giving the music, but um, to learn a lot of those things and why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling or how this does like make an emotional response and the rhythm does this and this kind of rhythm can do that was really interesting. Yeah. That, that also really stood out to me too. And not just hearing it in words, but actually having the experience when he brought, brought out his guitar, that's what solidified it for me because like in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I understand. And you know, when I think of harmony, I also think of like people singing together and harmonizing together and, but when he was able to say, okay, this is me just playing melody, but then this is me adding harmony into it. It was just like, oh, okay. And I kept thinking, like, as he was talking, I kept being like, how do I relate this to my experience of my body? Because that's how I learn things, like to actually experience it. So it felt really good to have him be like, hey, let me just show you <laughs> so you can really feel it. Because it's true. Like I I do not have a musician's brain at all. I like barely played the piano when I was younger and the violin and and that's pretty much been my experience of making music. Um but I can certainly feel music and know know how it is to experience it. So that was cool. Yeah. And that's like I played rhythm because I was in the African drum and dance ensemble, as I said in there, and I was played in a Brazilian drumming band and I tap dance. So I totally understand rhythm. But the other part is like, that's really hard to explain and understand. And so it's cool to get a little bit of understanding and and yeah, how your body experiences it, like how some of those melodies will make you like float and dance on your tippy toes. And then like another melody might make you like stomp and like be really grounded and and everything in between Mm -hmm. and how like it really the sound and what they're making really does like affect your body in such interesting ways yeah yeah i agree with you i know as a as a movement teacher for so many years like rhythm i got i totally get that concept i can feel it in my body um 
but yeah, the other ones are, were a little bit more heady concepts that I didn't really know how to put into the experience, yeah. experiential. So that was good. Yeah. Now we know. Now we know. And now you know, too. <laughs> yes. And I feel like there's even more that we could know because you always tell us new things that we know <laughs> or that we yes. get to know after you teach us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For So for my section. Did you know? I wanted to pick up on something that feels like it's been a theme in a couple of different episodes of ours. We certainly talked about it with Nat Keefe. That's the last time I remember talking about musicians, quote unquote, screwing up on stage, Um, which as Tara Lee mentioned in this episode, we love it when you do that. (laughs) But I, I think it's also more about how people react after. And, you know, you've had a lot of experiences where musicians have been very in the flow or humble after and like not gotten really upset and stormed off stage because they made a mistake, (laughs) (laughs) which I think could probably create a different experience and maybe wouldn't be so favorable. Yeah. But it reminded me of also what we were talking about, the creation of trust and intimacy and the live music experience and how it is a relational experience. And I wanted to relate it to attachment. And so there's a whole, well, like attachment theory is this whole thing that you can study and there's been a lot of research around it. And essentially we learn attachment and we have our attachment styles created when we're younger. So our attachment is our experience between us and our caregivers when we're younger. And ideally, we have caregivers that are loving and kind and help us to create trust and safety so that when we go out into the world, we go out with this belief that the world is safe and trusting and that there are going to be people out there that are kind and supportive to us. Now, of course, this doesn't always happen, But there's a phrase in attachment theory that's called the good enough mother. And mother can be exchanged for any caregiver, father, grandmother, aunt, whatever, but they just call it mom. What I love about the good enough mother concept is that it kind of helps us be off the hook that we don't have to be perfect all the time because that is absolutely not realistic. And especially if we think about being a mom or being a dad, parent. Or, you know, being a part of a young infant's life or child as they grow up, you know, we're never going to be perfect in doing that. And that's okay because that's not the goal. And actually what is important is that when there are experiences that may feel scary to the child, like let's say I yell at my son because he did something or he wasn't listening and I get upset, I get triggered and I yell at him. That's okay because the opportunity is then for repair after that. And so it's not it's not about having something happen that may feel like a screw up. It's about what we do after that. How do we repair after that? So like in my example of me yelling at my son, then How do I be able to calm myself down, go back up to him, own what I did, apologize to him, let him know that I still love him, that, you know, this isn't going to happen again. And this is why, because I'm going to instead be able to take a couple of breaths and walk away before I get more upset, things like that. So it's, it's how do we come back and show that we still care, even though we screwed up. And I think in the live music experience, it's about how, you know, how do musicians go with the flow when that happens? You know, how do they laugh it off and keep going create it into like this human moment? Like Walter was talking about how he creates connection with people. You know, when we see somebody that we respect and honor like a musician mess up, then it allows us to know that we can also mess up. And when they're able to be human and say, oh, gosh, I just made a mistake. I don't remember. I didn't remember the lines of that song. Let's start back over. Or if, you know, something happens and they hit the wrong key, then how can they like kind of laugh it off and and bring it back and just, you know, exemplify that they're human and that they make mistakes and that it's okay. 
that it's not the end of the world and I'm not going to throw a hissy fit and slam off stage and and walk away from you because that shows in any kind of relationship that that person's not safe, that we can't count on them, that we can't trust them. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I'm looking forward to figuring out how I can like be inspired by the musicians in my life that I've seen mess up and how they like fixed the break. And so for my section. Daily Jam. You are going to be super intentional in your daily life with how you're able to repair the things that you have broken. Um, So just like really noticing, okay, I messed up. I made a mistake. I'm not going to storm off stage. This is what I'm going to do and just be intentional with whatever it is of figuring out how to fix it from that point on. And so it's such an interesting thing because that's like, you wouldn't think this would be something that you would be learning from music, but you, you totally Mm -hmm. are. And I totally am. And we all are, and we all make mistakes and we're all human. You're going to make them in your life. And so just be inspired by a musician that didn't storm off the stage and have a hissy fit and, and try to be like Trey who kind of just like giggles and laughs or whatever it is, (laughs) whoever it is when they make their mistake. Or just breathe and reboot and start again. Yeah. And it's so cool because we have mentioned this before, like it connects us even deeper to them when that happens. And that same thing can happen in whatever relationship that you're in, whatever situation you are, when that happens, that you can actually be even more connected to the person. Yeah. Nobody wants like... I mean, I feel like it'd be boring if everybody was just perfect all the time. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yay. And just another, yet another way how our live music experiences can translate into the greater world and teach us things that can help us be better people in life. Yes. I'm so grateful for yeah. music. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Well, Tara Lee, why don't you let listeners know what you're up to and how they can find out more about you? Yeah. So if you have something that you've kind of always wanted to do, but you never like formulated a plan around it or enrolled accountability to make sure that you stuck the course and actually did the thing that you said that you were going to do, whether it's starting a business, exercising consistently, singing every day, creating artwork being crafty, meditating, like whatever it is, if there is something that you feel that you would love to have a plan and accountability for, I'd love to talk to you. So head on over to my Instagram at rocking life with two underscores and DM me the word let's go. I guess that's more than one word. The two words, let's go. And I will reach out with some guidance to help you start getting on the road to making all your dreams come true. Nice. I know you have something that you can use some terribly magic and accountability for. So definitely take advantage of that if you feel called. Yay. And so Leah, what are you up to? Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that when Walter was talking about, you know, the crowd showing up generously and people being really present for the experience and engaged. And um, it just reminded me of why I created Embodied Groove. So Embodied Groove is my live music. Well, we'll call it a, a movement, an interactive movement experience, because right now I'm also doing it without live musicians. Uh, so sometimes it's done with live music. It's created in the moment. There's lots of improv that goes along with it. And sometimes like at Cornerstone in Berkeley for uh, the Left Hand Monkey Wrench Grateful Sundays, it's being done with recorded music. But either way, it is all in service to help you show up fully to your live music experience. So help you get out of your head, into your body, shake off some stress, feel inspired to move in big and small ways. And it's been going really great at uh, Cornerstone in Berkeley. We're doing that every month. The next one is April 17th. So two days after 
this episode release, and then we'll do it again in May. Uh, I also have some festival experiences that I'm lining Embodied Groove Up, Camp Deep End Festival in September, which is actually sold out right now. Um, but that's one place Embodied Groove will be. And then I have a couple of other bigger festivals that I can't announce right now, but it's coming to you this summer too. So go ahead and go over to embodiedgroove.com, sign up for my newsletter to find out more about how you can experience Embodied Groove in person. And also you can receive my newsletter then that I send out every other week where I dive a little bit deeper into what we talk about on this podcast and also let you in on all the Embodied Groove events. Wonderful. Everyone check that out right now. And then while you're at it, also check out our Instagram Groove Therapy Podcast and our Facebook community, the Groove Therapy Podcast community. Um, we'll be asking some questions on here to get the conversation going. And we would love, love, love to hear from you on there. Yes, we would. And Groove Therapy is a part of Osiris Media, and you can find many more inspiring music and arts podcasts at osirispod.com. And definitely check those out. Also, wherever you are listening to Groove Therapy, if you could just click the follow button wherever that is, that will allow you to know of any new episodes that are coming out. Uh, also helps just tell that platform that you like this podcast and that they should kind of highlight it for other people, which is always helpful in spreading the groove therapy word. Yeah, so we would appreciate that so much. And we're so grateful for every like and love and share that we receive. We do a little happy yes. dance. Yeah. And go experience Walter at the Freight and Salvage on April 20th in Berkeley. And if you aren't living in the area or that's not available to you or you're listening to this podcast after then definitely check out his new cd at walterstrauss.com and otherwise have a fabulous day yes we love you so much bye yes we do catch you next time bye